You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello. You're coming to the party. It's Animal Party. Welcome to the party. You must be on the guest list. Welcome to the Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. Our party's going to begin soon. And today, it's a bigger party than usual. It's Olympic size. That's right. I'm going to be telling you all about the Olympics because I'm right here in the center, the center of the Olympic action. I live in Vancouver. I live in a town called Maple Ridge, just outside of Vancouver. And I've been attending a lot of the venues and events. I've been involved in it as a spectator, as a media person. I've been all over these Olympic Games. January 2010, Vancouver. February 2010, Vancouver. The buildup's been intense. Started in January. It's been going and going and going. And um, we're, <laughs> we're at the point now where it's a positive, it's, it's a fever. And I want to tell you all about the animals in the Olympics. Sometimes we don't think about the animals behind the scenes, the animals keeping us safe and what they're doing. But also, there's been some animals in the news concerning the Olympics, some animals that are key to the protests. And I want to talk to you about that. And I also want to compare humans and animals and give you an idea of who would win if we had Olympics between the species to scale. I bet you can guess we wouldn't do so well. But I'll be back with some Olympic animal news and we'll have an Olympic party in a few moments. Right now, let's listen to the sponsors. Come back to the party as soon as you can. Because the best is yet to come. Stick around. Be sure to tune in when Pet Life Radio goes live from Global Pet Expo, the world's largest annual pet products trade show. March 25th through the 27th, you can catch all the new products coming out for our pets before they even hit store shelves. From the latest in all-natural and eco-friendly products to the most elegant in pet pampering and high-tech innovations from companies all over the globe. It's at Global Pet Expo. Nearly 800 companies will be displaying new and exciting products to make time with our pets even better. Tune in March 25th through the 27th for everything Global Pet Expo. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Silvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. 
Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From speed drawing and mushing to racing, agility, and competition. This is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go! Welcome back to Animal Party. We'll be talking about the Olympics today. And probably when you think of the Olympics, you don't necessarily think of animals. But that would be a bit of a mistake. Because even in the Winter Olympics, where the animals aren't really doing the events, they are involved. So right away, when you land in Vancouver's airport, Vancouver International Airport... You are being protected by three dogs, and their names are Trav, Striker, and Downriver Chaser. And right away, that airport, unlike most others in Canada, there's one other I know of in Fort Myers, Florida, that uses dogs, dogs to keep birds away. Now, we all know about that tragedy that almost happened in the Hudson with the plane going down from a Canada goose, and the bird population has risen so much. It's, it's gone from a few million to much, much more than that since the 70s. It's out of whack. It's totally out of proportion. It's an epidemic. And because of that, and because of the way we design our, our runways and our airports, there have been a lot of incidents with birds. So what do we do? Do we have guns and whistles and sirens? Well, they don't really work very well. What we do best is when we choose animals to fight animals. The falcons and dogs work really well. So we've got Trav and Stryker and Downhill Chaser working at the airport, Downriver Chaser, and they're all border collies. Now, when they did this testing, they discovered that the two dogs that were most suited were Brittany Spaniels and Border Collies. And that doesn't surprise me. They're both intense, fast, with an incredible prey drive and a high work ethic and a real desire to chase birds. <laughs> so they ended up choosing Border Collies because these dogs get to spend their off months in the summer when the birds aren't a problem here. They get to spend it herding. So they sound a little bit like they might be dogs that if they were in a normal family, they'd be called OCD. They probably never sit still. If their off time is hurting, you can imagine what work dogs these dogs are. So that's great that they're keeping us all safe and keeping the birds away from the planes. We've also got 50 teams of police and dog partnerships. So 50 dogs, 50 police dogs working with their handler on the Olympic site. Some are doing detection. Some are doing riot control. They're involved in all different ways. And just like with the airport dogs, sometimes the airport dogs don't see the birds. The great blue heron stands so, so still. And border collies are kind of uh, used to motion. Motion sensors is how they work. So sometimes they don't see the birds and the handler has to point them out. Well, with the police, the police man or woman, is very important to the police dog as well. And they truly are a team. They do work together. But every year, they say that they save approximately 50 lives, at least, by finding lost children, hikers, hunters, and those who may be suffering a crisis. These dogs, these 50 dogs, have been used for, uh, of course, detection of all kinds of illegal substances, including they're extensively trained in the detection of all explosive substances. So that's to protect the athletes, the guests, the people at the Olympics. But they've also been used to protect heads of states, including Queen Elizabeth II. So (laughs) these dogs have been around and uh, hobnobbed with the best. 
They say that their ability to detect even the slightest odor of interest is incredible, and they do it all for praise, for the praise of their handler and a chance to have their ball or toy. So that's who's protecting us. And um, along with them, though, I must tell you, I have noticed, and I commented on it to several people I know, and we all decided I had to do a little interview. So when I was attending one of the hockey games, I went and interviewed a couple of the policemen there, an RCMP officer and a local police officer. And they were both there to provide protection, security, and crowd control at the Olympic venue. And I said to them, I went up to them and I said, you know, I just don't get this, okay? You're all dressed in uniform. You're wearing your vest. You're very serious. You're all doing your job. But for some reason, you all seem so happy. <laughs> and this is because I'd been all over by then. I'd been to five or six events, and I'd covered a few. I'd worked a few. And I'd encountered police in numbers I'd never seen before, most of them in black, most of them with huge police wording on them, lots of undercover ones, too, talking to radios and stuff like that, but huge, huge people in, in black and all decked out with their vests and very, very intimidating looking. And then as soon as you come near them with kids, their smiles crack open and they're mugging for photos with your kids and they're picking your kids up, putting them on their shoulders and all this sort of stuff, which I'm just not used to. So I asked him, why are the police so friendly? And, and he said, oh, would you like a picture? I mean, right away, he's asking me in this French accent. I said, no, no, that's okay. I don't think my husband would like that, but why, why, as he motions for me to get on his lap? No, no, I don't think so. Maybe my kids, not me. But so I asked him, you know, and he said that police from all over Canada, they all want to be here. They all want to attend the Olympics. They're vying for the right, for the privilege to get to come. They all get to stay together. They're having great time on their days off. They're all going to events and taking it in and taking in the scene. And then, you know, their work, he said, is wonderful work because the crowds are so friendly and, and international and gracious. And yeah, the work's serious. You got to do your work. But he said he's just having the time of his life. He wouldn't miss it for the world. And he said, you know, every day he misses his kids a little bit, but he gets to see all these kids at the Olympics. And so that, it made total sense why the police have been so nice. So thank you to the police dogs. I know I named the airport dogs and I did learn a few of the names of the police dogs, but I'm not going to be mentioning them because I think, I think they work better when the only people who know their names are their handlers, <laughs> so we'll just keep it at that. But I will tell you that oftentimes, police dogs have one-syllable names. Now, most of us with pets will want two-syllable names. Names like Rocky, Mindy, Rosie. These are names you can call really easily. You can make the second syllable go up in a high note, sound really happy, and shout it out at the dog park. And even when there's lots of dogs barking, you'll be able to hear. Your dog will be able to hear. So that's, that's really important. But for a police dog, they're not really in situations like that nearly as much as they're needing to hear a command fast. The same kind of command you give your dog when he's about to go on the road and you yell, stop or no, you're not messing around. It shouldn't take two syllables. You need one syllable. Off is another good example when your dog's making a dive for the Christmas turkey. So, so uh, the police dogs often have one syllable names, Duke. Prince, something they can hear very fast. So that's just a little bit about the dogs protecting us. We also have a lot of horses protecting us. The RCMP are the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Most of them don't ride horses. Some of them do for the symbolism of it and for the musical ride. And the musical ride is free. You have to get tickets, but it is free. And it's performing four and five times a day at different venues, particularly the one in Surrey. It is so worth catching. I tried to catch it, couldn't get tickets, got a backstage pass with my press card and got to meet some of the horses, but I didn't actually get to see the show, which was a bit of a bummer. But someday I will, maybe next summer or summer after. It's such a good show. The horses are bred for this. 
They're massive, huge, strong, the most beautiful horses you can imagine and so fit for the purpose. And then they're trained so well and they're just impeccably trained and most of them are dark, dark, dark. They just really make a dramatic entrance, the size of them alone and, and just the synchronicity when they're ridden in this musical ride, which is sort of like a formation dancing thing, but it's just incredible to see. And the officers, of course, are impressive too. So that's all about the musical ride and, and the teams. But there are some horses working the Olympics. And if you go into Stanley Park, particularly if you do anything wrong in Stanley Park, you're probably going to see them because <laughs> they can get to you really fast. There's also uh, officers on bicycles, and you might see them if you do something wrong. So don't do anything wrong in Stanley Park. Stanley Park is an enormous park in the middle of our city. There's a lot going on there right now with the Olympics. The entire city is alive. Thousands and thousands of people are crowding the streets. One million are riding transit every day. We're only a city of two million, to give you an idea. So we're absolutely packed with international visitors all wearing their country's colors. The national anthems are breaking out simultaneously down the main streets. Some of the main streets are completely closed off to traffic and full of buskers. And they're actually specifically chosen buskers. So they're really talented and they draw these huge crowds. And um, there's just so much going on. There's free music all over the city. Now I'm going to come back and tell you a little more about the animal angle in a minute. But I think we need some messages from our sponsors. So I'll just give you a little question. I think you all know that a cheetah can run much faster than a man, even the fastest man. It's kind of a summer Olympics question. But what do you think about a speed skater? Who's faster? Is it the cheetah or the speed skater? Okay, well, listen to our sponsors and then come back to the party. And uh, we'll continue our Olympic party. And I'll tell you who's faster, a speed skater or a cheetah. Leave this party before it's over because the best is yet to come. Only losers leave the party early anyway. Party on. Back in a few. This valuable information comes from your pet. There's nothing like a wagging tail or friendly paw to lift your mood. They're therapeutic and make us feel good. Studies show pets even reduce stress, prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and fight depression. So there you have it. Pets are a daily dose of good health and happiness. Pets add life. To learn more, visit petsaddlife.org. How many pets is too many? Do you know somebody whose life is overwhelmed by their animals? Maybe we can help. We're looking for people to be in a new TV series about really large animal families. We can offer expert help, free resources, and the chance to tell their story. If you or someone you know owns a house full of animals, call us toll-free at 1-877-MY-8PETS. That's 1-877-MY-8PETS. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo 
en Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. You're, you're inside the VIP room with the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Hello. Welcome back to the party, the animal party. You must be a VIP, or maybe you're a foreign dignitary, or maybe you're an Olympian athlete, because you are invited to the Animal Olympic Party here at Pet Life Radio at Animal Party. Welcome to the party. Well, I was telling you all about cheetahs, and a cheetah is two and a half times faster than a man. And actually, a cheetah is still faster than a speed skater, which is hard to believe when you see them whipping around the track, but it's true. So... Never run when a cheetah is chasing you. It's not going to work for you. Recently, last week actually, a mountain lion uh, incident occurred re- near here. And what happened was a granny, little old lady living alone, opened her door to let her big dog in, her big old dog, pointer cross dog, kind of a mope about, sort of a guy, easygoing guy. Okay, so she hears this sound after she's let him out, and it sounds desperate. So she opens the door, and her dog comes bursting into the house, just flying into the house in a panic. And behind him, something else comes in, too. She doesn't know what it is. She doesn't see very well anymore. She's not really sure. She thinks it might be a man. It might be a burglar. <laughs> so she opens her front door wide, and she grabs something. I'm, I'm imagining a broom. I'm not sure what she grabbed. And she goes into the room, the living room where this thing is, and starts yelling at it, Get out! Get out! Get out! I saw it in an interview, so that's my best impression ever. And, and it left. Now, it's very lucky for her that it left because the thing that had followed her dog in was a mountain lion. And it was probably a hungry mountain lion, and it probably had picked her dog for dinner. And, you know, I got a lot of emails about this. Why did the, <laughs> why did the dog come back? Well, because the dog wanted to survive. And if he didn't get into Granny's house, he was going to be dinner. That's why. Now, why would a mountain lion hunt dogs? You know, most of the time when a dog barks a lot, a lion will avoid it. In fact, they, they get treated all the time by little cockapoos and golden doodles and little foo-foo dogs. But the dogs have to bark and give the impression that they're in a pack. And that's when the mountain lion thinks wolf, coyote, and he uses his memory of such species and he runs for it. And if instead the dog is not barking or is alone or the, the uh, predator, the cougar, is desperate and hunts it and watches it and sees that it's alone and sees that it's not part of a pack, that same dog, if it's little or old, can become dinner. And so easy for it to switch and think, oh, well, wait a minute, you are vulnerable. And so it was definitely on the dinner menu. It definitely got chased. It ran to safety. Granny saved the day. Lucky for Granny, the cat was probably really freaked out to be inside. And lucky for Granny, they are burst predators, which means right away they have this burst of energy. And once that's done, they need to rest. So he'd probably used it all up on the dog. Thank goodness for Granny. But they're both okay, and the dog is fine, although it did have bite wounds. And that's partly how they confirmed it was a cougar. They could tell by the teeth. 
even though the lady kept saying, well, I'm really not sure <laughs> if it was the cougar. I suspect she didn't want to believe it. So, um, yeah, the cheetah is faster than the speed skater. And with these animals, you want to be really loud and really aggressive and don't run away because they will attack you. Okay. The best idea, though, is to stick together and never have kids, especially kids four feet and under, in the bush without you and have big dogs around and make a lot of noise and you probably won't have a problem. So, okay, let's go back to some of the Olympic news. So, oh, there's so much to cover. There was all this bad press about leprosy on a cruise boat and uh, that held, I think, security people and the torch, part of the torch not working in the opening ceremonies and a ton of protests and then ticket problems and then buses falling apart and not making it to their venues. And actually, I was really involved in that. When the buses weren't getting to where they were supposed to go and the drivers were getting lost, I was on the mountains. I was covering the event and I kept getting phone calls from journalists I knew strangely enough, asking me to help direct them out of there. <laughs> and there was one bus of journalists lost on the wrong mountain. They went to Mount Seymour. They were supposed to go to Cyprus. Cyprus with a C, Seymour with an S. The entire bus of journalists, all stressed out and working to deadline and dying to see these events, is on the wrong mountain, calling me to direct them out of there. For some reason, the GPS wouldn't work. For some reason, the driver's dispatch back in California had no clue. And in the end, they did get to the venue, but boy, were they aggravated. What happened was the committee decided to hire buses from the states and they didn't do their homework properly and they hired buses that weren't able to make these mountain climbs in this weather and it is the winter olympics it is alpine weather up there and these buses just weren't suited so they were breaking down all over the place plus the drivers were completely unfamiliar and so in the end half the buses were nixed and they got they replaced those buses with Canadian buses, and now everybody's getting where they need to get on time. And that's one of the things I want to say is with all these glitches, the torch was in a place people didn't like because it was behind fences, all these little glitches, they fixed it right away. So they've been extremely responsive. And I can't get over how safe and happy Vancouver feels right now. It's just packed with people. And even though there's a lot of drinking, and you can see there's drinking, there's no violent drunkenness that the most you ever see is people just bursting into their own national anthems and almost having like a sing-off where each country tries to be louder than the other and eventually of course they get drowned out by oh canada because they're surrounded <laughs> but, uh, but it's it's been incredible so i want to tell you more about animals in the olympics in the midst of all this crowd scene i saw many many dogs who did not look happy a lot of times you know you want to bring your dog to an event it's not a good idea. You're thinking selfishly. If there's going to be fireworks, firecrackers, drunk people, if there's going to be lots and lots of people that could step on your dog or bump into your dog or smoke a cigarette and burn your dog, it's not a good idea to take your dog. If it's going to be super hot or super cold, now the weather here has been beautiful, so I understand why people thought it was a good day for a dog walk, but people are going to step on their toes. And so it's really not smart to bring your dog into crowd situations unless your dog's super comfortable, very, very healthy and young, well-trained not to pick up anything it finds and eat it because there's lots of bad things it could be eating off the ground in these environments and, um, and really comfortable with people. So of all types and really alert and aware and responsive to commands. If he doesn't fit all of that, he'd really rather not go to the big downtown party, to the Super Bowl parade, to the uh, Olympic uh, celebration. So 
leave them home. You know, buskers who explode out of the crowd and make all this noise and jugglers and crowds clapping and all this. It freaks dogs out. They don't want to be there. So having said that, I ran into one guy way in the thick of things, right beside BC Place, right next to two of the big venues, a northern venue where they were carving kayaks and you could smell the cedar and the lineup was all the way around the block and uh, a Canadian venue also and a bunch of other ones that were just packed. And in the middle of all this, there's this guy standing in the center of it all with a cat on his head. So, of course, I went up, talked to him, took a picture. Turns out it's a therapy cat, and it's really used to lots and lots and lots of people. But boy, oh boy, something could have happened to that cat. What if somebody else brought a dog who wasn't trained who attacked the cat? And you can see it almost sounds like a nursery rhyme gone wrong or a ferret. Or There's so many things that could happen in a downtown setting like that. But I did respect the incredible training that went into training a cat to be so calm like that in so many crowds. And I have a picture of that as proof that it actually existed. So for the most part, all these negatives have been more than compensated for. The big negative, though, was the death of the loser a few days before the Olympics began. And I hope that his family is proud of him and his country is proud of him. And I hope they know how sorry everyone involved is and what a loss we all feel. And, um, you know, people have been saying that he wasn't experienced enough. He'd already done it 18 times successfully, this exact run. People are saying a lot of things about him that I don't think are right. And I think we should just honor him in his memory. And that's the one negative thing about this Olympics. Other than that, I think they pass with flying colors. They have revised the spirit of the Anukchuk like never before, which is that thing, that statue made out of rocks. That's an ancient symbol. When native people roam the land of Canada, they would leave these in places that are so barren. There's not much else to leave. And they would put these art forms together, a, a statue of a, a person usually, out of the rocks they found, exactly balanced, exactly right, to make this structure so people would always know they'd been there. And so the Inukchuk is appearing everywhere. You see them everywhere now. Kids are making them in school and arts and crafts, and they're appearing on windowsills, and they're appearing in storefronts. They're appearing on beaches, natural ones out of rock and logs and all this stuff, appearing in parks and forests, and it's so exciting to see. So that's been a good thing. The native culture, the native peoples, First Nations people of Canada, have never before been, natives have never before been an official host. And four of our country's First Nations were, the four of BC were, uh, officially welcoming and beginning the games. Drums were handed out to every person attending that opening ceremony. And I think that is a huge thing. The way that forward-thinking native cultures and, and native politics has impacted animals is exciting for me. And in fact... That brings us to something right now. At these Olympics, there have been protests. And some of them are nonsense. Some of them are guys dressed up in black hoods with too many tattoos and piercings just trying to yell that they hate the police. Okay? That's what some of them were. And that was right in the beginning. And it was when the police still misunderstood and thought all the protesters were sort of vegetarian, Birkenstock wearing, let's help the poor. And they misunderstood and there was one incident that got out of hand. But since then, it's been very easy for the police to tell the difference. And we basically haven't heard anything of these so-called anarchists and the anti-police people. They're gone. They're just vanished, gone, gone. And that's not because they're in prison somewhere. They got released right after they were arrested. It's because the police are really good at this stuff. So anyway, so the honest protesters, the people who want the concerns of the poor and the weakest in society to be dealt with before sport, before the business of sport and before sport, those people 
have legitimate protests and they are still doing their legitimate protests and they are being heard and they are talking about, you know, taking care of the homeless and taking care of drug addiction and, and offering more for the poorest people. And I, I and many others who support the Olympics believe this is very important and want these protesters to be heard. So that's, that's one side of it. Now, in addition to all that, in the middle of all this, there were a lot of Vancouverites who got upset that there was all this protesting going on early on. And so they went out everywhere the protesters were going out in party hats and party gear and would sing really loud, you say protest, I say party, 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 <laughs> and change the whole vibe of the whole thing. So that was kind of exciting. And that added a whole new dimension. Then there were some protests. No one really knows what they were about, but they were interesting nonetheless. On the side of the Lionsgate Bridge, which is similar to the San Francisco Bridge, huge commuter bridge that people take every day that gets congested and all this stuff. On the side of that where the pedestrians walk, there was just an impromptu hockey game one day during rush hour. Like 20 guys playing hockey on the side <laughs> and all the cars cheering them on. So that's the kind of thing that's happening. And we don't really know if they were protesting or if they were just playing or what's going on. But there's also an animal-related protest. And it's interesting that this Olympics has chosen as its mascot a marmoset, which is endangered. The, the uh, Vancouver Island marmoset is endangered. Uh, bear and salmon. And they've also, one of their, their mascots is this orca. It's a sea bear, they're calling it. And it's supposed to be part orca, part bear, which to the Western ear sounds a little strange. But in native lore, creation myths often start with one animal turning into another. And so uh, this, is, this is that. This is where the, um, the whale becomes the bear and goes on to land and the bear is created or the other way around, depending on how you tell the story. And there's one with the whale and the wolf and all different ones. So it's interesting that they've chosen these because it highlights the plight of these animals. And right now, even though the Great Bear Rainforest, in theory, there's protections of the spirit bear, the Kermode bear, the golden bear, which is very rare. Even though there's protection of it, there's no protection for their parents, the black bears. And there's a complete ignorance there. People think they can go shoot the black bears and we'll still have these yellow, beautiful spirit bears forever. Well, the black bears are their parents. It's a recessive gene. So this is nonsense. You can't shoot any bears in the Great Bear Rainforest if you want to have Kermode bears. And anyway, why are we allowing trophy hunting? When they do polls of this in BC, the overwhelming majority of people here do not want trophy hunting of bears here. We just don't want it. And yet it continues. And the majority of the people doing the trophy hunting are tourists, usually from America, who pay a lot of money to do it. So we have to question that. And the natives are questioning that. And they're also questioning even more so and they're making a direct attack on Norway. They are going, native chiefs have sanctioned this and are getting native people to go to the Norway games, especially hockey, wearing costumes that remind them of the salmon. They're serving them salmon. They're doing everything they can to keep salmon in the spotlight. And they went on a 29-day hunger strike to point out that there are 29 fish farms, Norwegian-owned fish farms in B.C., herding B.C. salmon. And what the chiefs argue is that in Norway, they're not even allowed to do it because it decimates the fish, the wild fish, with these little ponds they, they put in areas where the wild fish come by and get contaminated by them. They share diseases. They... They're just not good. It's not good for the health of the, of the real population, which is a lot healthier for us to eat and is essential for our planet. So they're very upset about this, and um, rightly so. They say, 29-hour fast reflects the 29 fish farm tenures in our territory, said Bob, Chief Bob Chamberlain, chairman of the Tribal Council. All we ask for is that the river system and inlets which produce our wild salmon 
that have sustained our people since the beginning of time be shown the very same respect the Norwegian government demonstrated in safeguarding the wild salmon of Norway. And they're sending a letter to the king and they're doing all this publicity. And so one thing that came from it is apparently the Norwegians were saying that Norway's media is saying that, that they're protesting by, by causing curses. That's so funny. It's so, it's so primitive. But then, you know, there's a lot that's come out with this Olympics that's been kind of primitive. Like, we got a lot of great press from almost everybody, especially the Australians. But the two countries that badmouthed us the most were England and Russia. And so I decided to go on and see if the athletes from, from England and from Russia were also badmouthing us. And interesting, <laughs> I went on this page that shows the tweets of the medalists, and I couldn't find very many. There just weren't any English medalists. So that got me thinking, maybe that's why England's so upset with our Olympics. Now they're next, so they better watch what they say. Because uh, when Australia talks, they say, Canada's in the grip of Olympic fever. Vancouver's painted the town red. Every shop window bears the maple leaf and the slogan, Go Canada! Downtown, the window display in a French designer boutique features mannequins in ultra-chic couture playing ice hockey. Now, I did see that. That gave me a double take. That was funny. The stores are getting into it. The business are getting into it. People have their Christmas lights out and all that stuff. The athletes. What are the athletes saying? Well... I didn't find anything negative, and I really looked for a while. I saw, I am in love with my new friend, American skier Lindsay Vaughn said about her gold medal. Um, Marty McBean, a volunteer Olympic staffer in the Athletes' Village, nearly kicked out Scott Niedermeyer because she didn't know he was an Olympian. <laughs> He's a big hockey player, so that's kind of funny. Canadian snowboarder Justin Lamoureux posted on his blog, oh, she doesn't follow hockey much. So... Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Now, Russia gave us a lot of bad press, and Russia just got beat. Yet, I say, goodbye. They, the Russian men's hockey are on their way home after being beat by the Canadian men last night. And in this Olympics, Canada's been done better than we ever expect. We got 15 medals. Eleven and a half of those are women. And why is that? Well, men and women are funded equally or almost equally. And that was a shock when at the beginning of this Olympics, the women's ski jumpers were not allowed to compete. And the Charter of Rights, which allows and insists that women be treated equally, even in sport, in everything here, was overridden and discarded. And it was said that the Olympics didn't, it didn't apply to them. And I found that so horrible. And that was the start of the Olympics. But they've come a long way since there. And hopefully they'll be, they'll be in the events in the future. I really hope. I really hope that they'll be there. But it just goes to show you when, when a country does fund women almost equally or equally close to what results we get. Because the other countries are not doing this. So I want to get back a little bit to what if people and animals competed together. Well, in weightlifting, if we competed against insects, we would lose to the rhinoceros beetle. Because it can carry 850 times its own weight. So imagine if you're a 100-pound person carrying 850 pounds. It's just crazy. What about an elephant? Well, an elephant can carry 25% of its own weight, which is a lot considering how big they are. Okay, what about high jump? High jump is the frog hopper. It's an insect, but it jumps 100 times its size. Now, at our Camp Good Dog Olympics, we've had our own little Winter Olympics, our high jump record was taken by Vegas the Standard Poodle. A lot of people think Standard Poodles are just foo-foo dogs. They are not. They are retrieving athletes, and their vertical is incredible. Now, he only did seven feet, seven and a half. He can do more than that, but it was really icy. After all, this is the Winter Olympics, so... <laughs> We had to give him a break there. Now, we had our own, uh, I told you about the cheetah out beating the, the skater. We had our own race in the snowy fields. And Thunder, 
the uh, pointer cross won, and um, he won by, by a mile. But we think that the reason he got the gold is because the silver medalist, Choco, the Australian Shepherd, is a bit of a humper. So <laughs> there was some extra motivation there, and Silver did get the gold. Now, as far as our own hockey tournament, did go well. Many balls got lost. Didn't go well, didn't go well. No, no, no. No one seemed to understand the, the whole point of the hockey, except Taylor. Taylor, our Rottweiler, who's here for about six weeks as a camper, he really loves balls. He wouldn't participate in any event that didn't involve balls, but any event that did, he was ace. And he is the best goalie. I'd put him to the test against Luongo. You cannot get a ball into the net past this Rottweiler. So that was, he is definitely on our uh, Canadian dog hockey team as our goalie for the next round of the Olympics. So if you're here and you want to find out more and you want to do more things, uh, there's a lot of people probably listening to the show who are here. Well, first of all, if you're not here, catch Stephen Colbert. Check it out because his last show that he just did, when first show back from his break and the rest of his shows in February were shot here in Vancouver. And you'll be able to see us all. You'll be able to see the fans. You'll be able to see the city. You'll be, he's done some really great things with effects. So you can really see what's going on around here. Now, he's been voted by the American team as their team therapist and their morale officer. And Canadians were calling him the Olympic Oval ambassador because he's there so much. Apparently, he's really into speed skating and he's been taking uh, shots at Canadians for about six months, calling us ice holes and other things. And we've totally embraced him. So he's got a huge fan set here now. <laughs> and you'll see that if you check out his show. But you'll also see how beautiful it is here. And there are many, many things to do here with animals. You can see eagles. If you're here visiting the Olympics and you want a break for a day, just drive along Lougheed Highway east of the city till you get to Mission. And just as you're leaving Maple Ridge, before you get to Mission, after you pass a lake called Stave Lake, you'll see a road called Hayward. Turn left on Hayward, heading up the mountain, and just go slow. Pull over. Get your camera ready. I've seen 18 eagles in a tree there. And the last time I went was only a few days ago, just to make sure this was still right. And I could see eagles down in the water using their feet to pull out salmon from the water. This is a place where salmon gather. And there's, it's incredible to just go there with kids and look for bones and things like that or to go there and fish. There's a lot going on. And there is a park at the end of the road where you can park and, and get information. But if you just look for the eagles, you will see juvenile eagles with their spots and their speckles and bald eagles and golden eagles and every kind of eagle all getting along because of the salmon. You can also go a little further to Mission and you might want to Google this first, but there are sturgeon fishing trips. They take you in a boat. You get to go out. You get to catch a sturgeon, which is the biggest fish in the world, the biggest fish on earth. You get to catch one. It's prehistoric. It's creepy looking, but it's cool. Cool photo. You get to catch one, tag it, weigh it, do all this stuff that the government wants you to do, and release it again. So you're doing a good thing, but you get that big fish photo. And it's my husband did it, and he said it is a real workout. These fish are strong. He's a big guy. So check out the sturgeon. You can also go see bears and even the spirit bear. There are tours of the spirit bear. So that's done by Spirit Bear Adventures. So you can look them, you can look them up. And they have a lodge, Spirit Bear Lodge. And um, that's a First Nations outfit. There's a lot of First Nations now going into ecotourism. And you'll get incredible experience. You'll get to see the crafts, maybe purchase some things. You'll get to see the singing and the dancing, eat the food, live like them, be like them for a little while like they used to be, and see the animals. 
So it's totally worth it to check all that out. And let's see, what else? Normal things in town. Like normally you'd have to pay $20 as an adult to go to the Vancouver Art Gallery. They've got a big Leonardo da Vinci exhibition on right now. It's free. Lots of stuff is free because of the Olympics. There's free music everywhere. Like the other night, Lou Reed and um, Elvis Costello were on stage playing the works of Neil Young. I, where are you going to go to see that? I mean, really. And so many bands here, incredible bands, Bare Naked Ladies and Sarah McLaughlin, and you could just see everything Canadian everywhere all the time. It's so exciting. They did this big thing where they tried to have all the venues going from before the Olympics to after the Paralympics. So it's just over a month of solid entertainment and difficult choices. Where do you go when, when all you got to do is put on your red shirt and your dress right? And <laughs> you can go anywhere. Where do you go? It's been a great games. So I didn't tell you about the Avalanche Dogs, and they're on standby right now working. They'll be working till the games are over. And there are three of them, and they're from Revelstoke Rescue. They're CARTA members. They and their handlers will be up on the mountain making sure everybody's kept safe until the end of these games. And that's particularly important because we just had an avalanche somewhere in BC, and someone was killed. So even though you might not think, well, there's been no avalanches at the Olympics, there could be. We're in an alpine environment near the ocean. There could be. So Hero, Griffin, and Sadie, thank you for working so hard and being on call these entire Olympic Games to save us in case we need you. They can sniff out a person 60 to 100 feet under the snow. They are faster than any machine, any alternative at rescuing people. And if you were down in the snow, you sure would be happy to see one of these three German shepherds with their beautiful blonde handlers, I might add. So, so that's an extra bonus. Um, all right. So I wanted to just welcome you all, everybody who's here for the Olympics. Welcome to Vancouver. I hope you're loving our city. We are loving having you. If you can't get here, check it out on TV. It's incredible to watch. You'll see that the mountains are covered in snow. We are an Olympic venue for the winter. And yet, spring has become here in the city. Spring has come. So you'll see flowering trees all over the place and happy people partying and celebrating and the sky train flying over the city. It's so worth coming. Other things you can do here is run or bike the seawall. It's 10K, but there's shorter routes and maps. Rent a bike and do it on bike. Do it on foot. Get out there and explore. You can do that in Whistler, too. You can go around Lost Lake. And then check out the SkyTrain. Just get on it and ride it. You'll see right into people's backyards, and then you'll also see huge views. It goes all through the city and all different routes and underneath suspension bridges. And it's quite a trip just in itself. Then uh, Granville Island's always good for shopping. Plus, you get to see crafts. You get to see people actually blowing glass and making beadworks. And I told you about the eagles, the bears, the sturgeon. Go for a spa trip to Harrison, Harrison Hot Springs. That's well worth doing. Any hike you can find, do it. Just be safe. Be prepared. Have your cell phone with you. Have supplies with you. Dress warm. Never underestimate our mountains and our nature. Go where there's people but it's so you're safe. All right, everybody. I wanted to tell you about some of the venues I did, but I can see I'm quickly running out of time. I will tell you I saw women's hockey, and we won. No, that's that's not a surprise. Canada beat Switzerland when I was watching. Incredible game. I went to the Live City venue downtown, held the torch with my kids, got my picture taken at the Coca-Cola Pavilion, Had uh, went to all, a couple of the different mountains, saw some of the parades, saw a lot of the music, and everywhere I went, I felt completely comfortable with my two little kids. It was so safe, so friendly, 
so happy, so exciting. So if you can get here, come. If you can't get here, watch it on TV. And uh, come back to the party next week, everybody. That's our Olympic party. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.